0: Welcome to Cyber Signups, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with conversations that are candid and are about human behaviour and technology. Brought to you by Kath Nibbs. Welcome to this week's episode. This week I'm joined by Tony Wrighton and one of the reasons I went after Tony to interview uh, is because I'm pretty much drawn to working with and speaking to people who are interested in their own personal growth. And one of the things about Tony is he's got his own podcast, which um, is called Cestology And I'll put links to that in the show notes. And on, on this podcast, he often talks about improving life, vitality and it's human growth. Now, what basically happened after I interviewed him is I was talking to somebody about the, the usual hoo-ha of when I record something. And afterwards, like, oh, I wish I'd not said this. I felt like a, an idiot for saying that. And I realized I did something. Uh, So here is a bit of a public announcement. Um, I really did a huge reframe on a particular section in the podcast. And I realized that what I was doing is what a lot of my clients do. I was making excuses as to why it was okay for me to go off and drink red wine. So I'm stopping drinking. Based on the, uh, the, well, it was just my language um, and I noticed afterwards when um, I was talking to somebody, uh, it was the, the what we call gallows laughter in transactional analysis and I was, I was kind of saying it was a ha-ha-ha moment when really it wasn't a ha-ha-ha moment, uh, it was more of a wake-up call. So um, there's that. Um, there's also the fact that I keep saying Resveratrol when it's res- Resveratrol uh so there is the fact that you know hey hope we're all human I get things wrong um but this episode wow we I didn't expect us to go in the direction that we did and it ended up being more uh, more of a conversation about therapy um I kind of talked a little bit about transactional analysis uh there was a a bit of a conversation going between me and Tony where he was asking me questions rather than me asking him questions um I I really enjoyed this session and, you know, I kind of sat and thought about when it was going to come out um, because there were two to come out at the same time. So this is tacked on to uh, Madsie's episode from last week and there's a few more of these to come next year. Um, Also, there's a bit of a caveat. I do make what sounds like quite a provocative statement in this uh, interview, which out of context can be taken whatever way you want to. and in the world of deep fakes, you know, hey ho, that's where we're at. Um, but my take on things is from many, many years of training as a psychotherapist, uh, many years of studying, you know, psychology, psychotherapy, neuroscience, neurolinguistics, uh, language is very, very important, and also working with clients for a long time, uh, again. That's how it is. Uh, I'm getting to the stage where I say it as it is now, and you know, you either like it or lump it. And I've had some really nice feedback about some of the other episodes, particularly the ones where we start to look at health. And hence, that's why there's now a reframe on the tagline of the podcast. Um, So, Merry Christmas to you all. Um, I've got another great episode coming out uh, towards New Year. And that one is based around um, something called heuristics and it kind of goes with technology. So, again, I'm really refining what I'm doing um, and you know happy seasons to everybody Um, for those of you who will be drinking um, have a great time and for those of us who are making big choices before the new year well done that's my little pat on the back Um, see you on the next episode I think that's all I needed to cover today and if not I'll cover it next time to lose Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, I'm joined by Tony Wrighton. Tony Wrighton has many hats. Um, so you are a presenter on Sky Sports, you have authored some books on NLP, and you are a self-confessed biohacker, which is the reason that I'm talking to you today. Yes. So, welcome, Tony.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And uh, it was nice to meet you about a month ago. Uh, and um, I'm glad you were insistent about me coming on your podcast as well
0: uh, yeah tena- tenacious <laughs> <inconsistent>, <laughs> stubborn yes they're all they're all traits um, so okay so what what I'm attempting to do is as, as we just said off uh, camera a moment ago I'm trying to introduce uh, functional health and biohacking to uh, my listeners who are mainly people in the IT sector e safety counseling psychotherapy, and some of them are teachers. So, I, as I said to you, I've, I've got about 700 questions Tony. Totally. So we'll start with why Why do you do what you do in terms of um, the biohacking? And, and obviously, I know that you, you had um, a tropical disease, but how, how and why did you get into this and why do you do what you do?
1: Yeah, well, um, first I want to say is like, sorry if there's a kind of bit of crashing and banging in the background, but um, I live next door to what is essentially a building site and they've been doing work for so long on that house and it's now been about six months and they're taking down a lot of scaffolding today. They're not finished, but taking down a lot of scaffolding. And I suppose in answer to your question, part of the reason I do a lot of this stuff is because I need it. And I feel that some people are able to sail through life and kind of not get not get derailed or upset or blown off course by every little thing that comes along. But I'm the type of person that looks out at a load of scaffolding in the next door neighbor's garden and thinks, I'm really annoyed. Why can't they get it done? And why are they making so much crashing? And why is it wrecking yet another podcast interview? So perhaps it's just that I need it a little bit more. Um, yeah, you know, um, I got into NLP about 15 years ago. There was definitely a professional component. I was a radio presenter at the time, and the linguistics part of NLP kind of really appealed. And I know I'm speaking to experts on your podcast, Kath, so um, so uh, I've got to kind of watch what I say, haven't I? I've got to be on my best behavior.
0: Um. I, only so far, it, it has been known that I'm the one that goes off off filter. And
1: <laughs> I know you you like to be on your best behaviour all times as well, Kath. So, um, yeah. So did the um, did the NLP course, <laughs> and then uh, got the job at Sky. And kind of the NLP side of my career was going on, on the side. And as you say, I got very ill in the jungle a few years ago. Got this tropical disease and spent three months in bed. And that's why I decided to start doing a podcast on energy. I mean I I decided to do it at that point, but I actually didn't have the energy to record it for another year or so after that. But that was where it all kind of started from. And uh as you say, love kind of investigating lots of tips and tricks for kind of boosting my energy and wellness levels, my bandwidth levels and making sure that I'm kind of best able to focus on the job.
0: Yeah. Well um just so that listeners are aware, um your your podcast called Zestology and um I actually I, I came across it, I think when I got into the biohacking um, sphere, because I think that the go-to person that everybody ends up at is um, Dave Asprey. And then I kind of kilted off with, um, oh, spoken to this person, that person, the other person. Um, So Dave Asprey's spoken to some of the people I've kind of trained with, um, and I'm talking Stephen Porges, Dan Siegel, um, some of the neuroscientists. And I think uh, I found one of the podcasts you did with him, and I was like, oh, this is great. Somebody in the United Kingdom that's doing it. so I've noticed that you've done loads and loads of episodes with technology. So as I said to you, that's where, that's where Cyber Sign-Up started in terms of cyber, cyber technology. Um, so how, how about we talk um, hacks that you, you find that you like um, in terms of, um, so I think, have you used the human charger? Um, yes, you the I have here, used, human charger.
1: Human charger. Yep, yeah,
0: yeah. yep. So you use quite a few apps and bits and pieces. So that there's meditation apps. Um, we we've got. I'm just trying to think. Keep on track, Kath. <laughs> 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 so, let's let's have a look at um how how you ended up hacking your health. So uh, you know, three months in bed is a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's um it's quite interesting because I mean the initial thing was there was definitely kind of a virus that threw me off track. But um, but then I started to and, and you know I, I initially just needed to really focus on my physical health. But then one of the things that was very hard is I went to an uh, an emotional freedom therapist, EFT therapist, so like tapping. And I just thought, you know what, I'm really not into all this alternative tapping on parts of the body to try and sort myself out. And he said, I'm going to tell you something now. Uh, when I turned up at his office, he said, I'm going to tell you something now. It's going to be quite hard for you to kind of take in, but basically you are partly responsible for your physical symptoms. And what's going on in the mind is partly producing these physical symptoms, which I found quite annoying. (laughs) But by the end of the session, I felt so much better that I was willing to kind of take that on board. So as time developed, I started to look into how my mind was not working in ways that I wanted it to work. And you mentioned, you know, online health. And I think it's really interesting the way that ties in with mental health, cyber health. Uh, One of the First, things that I heard you talk about in your podcast was the relationship between kind of uh, technology and addiction. Um, and that's, you know, as, as time's gone on, I've looked at the issue of addiction a lot. Um, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I have a massively addictive personality and I never thought I did. And one of the ways I'm most addicted is um, online. And we all know it. I mean, last night, my mate sent me a video. I love playing table tennis (laughs) and my mate sent me a a video of two youngsters playing table tennis and the rally was unbelievable. Uh, And half an hour later, I realized that I hadn't just watched that video. I'd watched a load of videos on Facebook, which I never watch including a 10 minute video of a bailiff being told off by a police officer. I mean, that is, if if that is isn't online digital addiction, then I don't know what is.
0: Yeah yeah well i mean that's that's the tangent that you end up on youtube and i tend to find that with um journal articles that i'll say a word and i go oh that's quite interesting before you know it i'm no longer looking at my uh the phd stuff i'm looking at elsewhere um there's a great video by um i will i will send you it actually there's a great video about how we become distracted um and it's from the book the shallows so what the internet is doing to our brains nicholas carr i think it is
1: the shallows
0: yes okay Um, it's it's an old book and it's based on how we've moved from uh print text through to digital uh digital environments um yeah because the, there's the, there's a lot about where we end up in that it's, it's almost like a, a zoned out state so very much i tend to talk yeah. about um so i don't know if you are uh, familiar with joe dispenser and yes right, right yeah. so they talk about brainwave states when you get into that, where you were last night, that's probably uh, alpha, which we call the Netflix state, which is yeah. where you end up. Um, I'm not going to use the word my children use or the other adolescents, but you end up <laughs>
1: um,
0: zoned out. and just what, won- what do
1: your children use? Come on, I want to hear it. Monged out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, just in a kind of zombie state. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And it's, well, I mean, it's, it's quite a Yorkshire word, actually. So yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of my clients that come in go, yeah, I was, I was monged out. I was, and and yeah. that's yeah. what they do. Yeah um yeah well that's the downside of technology so okay let's go i don't i know i know what we can do here let's go through some top tips of how you possibly c- keep your uh, digital hygiene in a morning so do you have like a morning routine um where you stay away from your phone for maybe an hour
1: um i mean it's, it's really interesting that actually because i used to have a <clears throat> rigorous morning routine which was wonderful and it involved meditation and you know maybe a bit of exercise and getting a coffee and not switching off my phone for the first 60 minutes and all the rest of it and then a, uh, a small baby by the name of Stanley came along eight months ago and, um, and kind of changed all of that really. Um, meditation is probably the thing that I notice works absolutely best because one of the things that I notice with technology is um, I've got a very type A personality brain if you like um and I, and I'm I think I kind of get involved in doing lots of things at once and my brain works at very high energy and you talked about alpha state there well my brain will spend a large chunk of the day in a very high beta state absolutely whirring round yeah. but when I do something like meditation and it is just taking 10 minutes to do nothing. And sometimes I find it so hard to focus. I feel like I haven't even had a very good meditation, but the way that my brain operates afterwards is so different. Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to do that this morning because of the baby, but that's, that's the the general idea. And I think anyone who's got kind of young kids maybe would struggle to do that in the morning. But, um, but yeah, ideally not switching your phone on first thing in the morning would be a good idea. And taking a bit of quiet time it's not quite happening at the moment
0: um yes yeah well i'm i'm many many years i'm in fact i'm 20 22 and a half years in front of you on on that score so are um, you
1: right okay so but um i mean can you remember because i find a lot of people have said oh i can't you you forget how difficult it is with a baby
0: um absolutely so i was um so i, I was in the army at the time with my husband and i'm not kidding he had varying working hours the baby had varying uh, the, the, their circadian rhythms are still not right because they're adolescents, so they they're still not fully matured, so sometimes they're up during the night and staying up late and going to bed. I go to bed before my
1: kids. It's do really, you? really yeah, no way that's um, classic
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> end they come in at the time that I'm getting up, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of jealousy going on at the moment, so yeah, yeah, I do I do absolutely remember the the nights where they would be awake at different times and I'd be walking around like a zombie you know really difficult at times
1: and the digital hygiene thing is really interesting isn't it because you know I mean firstly I notice even around my eight month old the moment my screen lights up he is transfixed I mean we never put him in front of the telly he doesn't you know he's he's interested enough he's stimulated enough by the world around him but um, the moment a screen lights up he is transfixed and I have to confess, last night I was looking after him on my own. My dinner was ready at six o'clock. He was on the verge of kicking off. For some reason, I put on The Simpsons on Channel 4 <laughs> and that kept him very quiet for 10 minutes while I ate my dinner. <laughs>
0: hey, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of like triggers, isn't it? So I'm, I'm just thinking, my children used to say when the EastEnders theme tune came on, um, yeah. was it EastEnders? I don't know. But my, my eldest used to say, when he was about two or three, he used to go, bedtime no way <laughs> like he, would yeah go and he would say bedtime and I'm now trying to explain um in terms of triggers that's what I do is it, it you know come the evening um so it's been it's been mentioned many a times on my podcast we have the um switch fight so he comes in and goes you can't see a bloody thing in here turns the light on and then I go it's too bright at night time turn it off and he then says I can't see anything so we have this argument in terms of light and junk light
1: that's hilarious um, get it's ready. like mums into all her stuff, and, and and as they become teenagers and older, you you start to think. I, I imagine so much about their kind of digital health, as well as the, you know the junk light in the evening. But also, what really probably brings it home is the fact that you know I keep thinking, well, how do I want Stan to be around screens, for example? Well, whatever I want him to do, I've got to do that myself, <laughs> and that's going to be really hard. Yeah,
0: Model modelling's the hardest thing as a parent. Yeah. Just period, not just about digital health, but I think that's that's one of the things that I'm doing in terms of the functional health, and it's it's quite nice actually because the youngest one isn't quite into the. I mean, he just thinks that the fridge is full of green stuff, um, <laughs> and you know, and he'll quite often say, you know, what, <laughs> what is this? Um, the the eldest, yeah, he's getting into functional health. He's he's not so much, um, you know, at the end of the biohacker, and he thinks that times that I've turned into a hippie. That's, gener- that's generally the, the um, compliment I get.
1: So but You have, really, so don't worry I, about that.
0: I, well, I, don't, I don't care. I'm tracking everything. So, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go back to Um So you spent three months three months in bed. So how, how did you motivate yourself to kind of get into the biohacking stuff? What was it that really kind of um, switched on the idea that it might be holistic health that you needed to head towards rather than medical?
1: I suppose the first thing was going to see that guy, the tapping guy, and really I, I felt pretty helpless until I walked out of his office and then for the first time I kind of thought maybe I'm going to be all right. Then after about three months I, I kind of went back to Sky and at, at first it was one day a week. It was really quite tough and even those days I felt a little bit panicky and anxious that I was going to suffer a relapse of some description and then going to have to go home again and then not going to be able to go to work you know it's very hard to kind of ease myself back and again a lot of that was mental no doubt I had physical symptoms lots of physical uh, uh, neurological symptoms as well post-viral neurological symptoms some of which I've still got actually and then as time went on yeah realized that a lot of it kind of was in my head and then you know from therapeutic. Level started to understand as time went on, and I really started to heal the deeper things which meant that I'd kind of got to that place in the first place. And that was the biggest, I mean, this sounds hippie as well, but that was the biggest gift from getting ill the fact that it forced me to re examine my life top to bottom at a root level. And what a gift that was! Because, I mean, you know, honestly, um, being 39 years of age and being so ill that I wasn't at home, but I was at my mum's house in my old single bed. It wasn't really what I'd imagined for myself. Um, and here I am, you know, five or six years later and, and everything's been a lot better. And, I, and I, I credit that deep therapeutic process for that. And by the way, obviously you mentioned that I trained in NLP and I love NLP, I'm happy to talk about it. But there was an element to kind of really good psychotherapy that went deeper than NLP ever could.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yes. Um, like I just said to you, I went on some training the other way. It's really interesting. A lot of the words... So I've done, I've done kind of a little basic around NLP and so on. But for me, it's, there's an overlap between transactional analysis, gestalt therapy, and the real you know, depth psychotherapy that comes from psychoanalysis. Um, and I think sometimes you, you, NLP is more head. And what you needed sounded more hot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that is such a good point. I am somebody who uh, spends a lot of time in my head and finds it hard to get into my body, um, finds it hard to get out of those kind of intense beta states. And funnily enough, you know, they do say that a lot of people who are very in their heads are very attracted to NLP. Why? Because it gives them so much control or a perceived sense of control okay i'm not i don't like the way i feel about that but i can control it by using an nlp technique and nlp is brilliant so good in so many ways but actually you know perhaps there's there's an element of acceptance and understanding that came from therapy that didn't come from nlp Mm.
0: okay So, um, And
1: and just not to diss NLP too much, but there is one other thing, one other kind of issue I have with NLP, which is I did some training with Richard Bandler, who created NLP. And um, he is one of the most brilliant public speakers I've ever seen. I mean, he's he's a fantastic speaker, very inspiring, brilliant with hypnotic language and everything else. But one of his lines that I totally don't agree with is the best thing about the past is that it's over. And his point is, you know, you can do techniques to kind of make you diminish the effects of anything that's gone on in the past and go to the future. And actually, that didn't really work for me. You know, it's great, the best thing about the past is it's over if it's causing you a kind of trauma reaction. Yeah. But ultimately, understanding that and dealing with that and processing the emotions of that are important. And a, and a one-minute NLP technique might not be the best thing for you, even though I love NLP. I'm just not dissing it, um, but I'm just saying that.
0: Yeah, well i had i had my um little irk when then just went no because what we know um and and it's one of the one of the taglines i have is you can't talk your way out of trauma you have to get into your body you have to connect with all of the history that's there um and this is this is kind of where the the functional stuff really overlaps with um trauma work so that's that's my main specialism um, yeah. and that's know. why it's really
1: nice to talk in, in depth and i know your listeners are kind of uh, are high level and in depth as well and actually for all this biohacking stuff which i love you know for me the really deep work has what well, you could call that biohacking as well <laughs> um but but without that that you know wearing an aura ring or turning the lights down at night actually doesn't really make much difference
0: um well no no i think um there's there's something about um so, we know we know as psychotherapists, and, and this is I did a, an article on this not so long ago that actually we know about epigenetics, we know about intergenerational trauma, but then what we're not looking at is how that manifests in the body and then what it's like to actually be in the body. So, I'm just thinking the term that we have, and it's really quite um condescending actually. There's a lot of people in therapy who are what we call dead from the neck down, they're just not connected hmm. to what's going on in their autonomic nervous system, they're not connected to um what they feel in their body so um i'm just thinking of the clients that i've had over the years there was one client whilst we were talking verbally actually what was happening was our stomachs were actually doing the gurgling to each other and i used to point it out to her and say have you noticed when i ask a question it's your stomach that answers oh no not at all there was just this ab- absence of connection um yeah. and that that's what i so when when we were at the health optimization summit that's why i was kind of like looking for those people that would bring that into the the sphere because for me that's how it all connects together the emotions are actual physical manifestations of things that are in and around your dna yeah. and it's, it's almost like so that, that i i totally agree that's with
1: so you. cool yeah
0: yeah your your emf practitioner um sorry eft emf EFT. that's, my, yeah. that's yeah. me going on, a, on another question
1: yeah. No. I mean, the the EFT I used to go to. I used to go and see him, and my stomach. You know, you just mentioned stomach. My stomach would often be in bits, and you know, it's so physical, and yet he wasn't doing any. You know, he wasn't doing anything on my stomach, and I would leave an hour later, and my stomach would feel totally different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just so brilliant.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I engage in uh, so before I prescribe if you like anything to my clients i go and try it myself so i've i've been working with deep tissue therapist craniosacral therapist um i go off for floats i do whatever it is that i can do because it's okay if i'm gonna if i'm gonna recommend this to somebody because i've read the research i need to know what it feels like and i had a really bizarre experience one time with the the body worker and she was working on my back and when i stood up i got a whoosh Mm. sensation where i wanted to physically be sick and, and my instinct was to run out of the room. And I had to kind of sit going, okay, what's that about? What's that about? And she just looked and went, mm-hmm, that's how it is, Kath. That's how it is. <laughs>
1: now, Brilliant.
0: With a good body worker, they, they really can feel and work with um, yeah. what's going on. So for me, this is, what, this is kind of why the two worlds connect together and overlap yeah. because a lot of the work I do with uh, the young children is around um, child sexual abuse, domestic abuse. So what we do do is we do a lot of body work in the room and yeah. we, tend to, we tend to notice what's going on in the body. And children are so tapped into this, but what happens is over time, it's negated. And I think that's, that's the difficulty is, um, I think what will be really interesting for you, Tony, is when you notice how you might have a household that that's very connected, you have an interpersonal connection between all of you as a family, and then your child goes into a setting where actually emotions are secondary or you know it's academic uh, you know it's academic prowess that becomes yeah. the most important thing and that's really hard as a parent to sit with at the side of it you know sitting sitting with empathy at home and then child comes home going actually nobody's got any empathy because we're, we're all so disconnected and focused on where we need to be for our next exam
1: yeah yeah and actually just you know the education of being with a baby and seeing how a baby totally wears my baby totally wears his emotions on his sleeve if he's happy he laughs and if he's sad he cries absolutely varying degrees of crying I have to say and as we as we grow up naturally we learn to contain those emotions so every time you know if it's a Five second gap rather than a one second gap before getting fed the next spoonful of dinner. You don't cry, but actually, it's quite good that he wears his emotions on his sleeve because a lot of us as adults tend to push him away, put them into a corner.
0: Mm-hmm. And and that brings us full circle to what your EFT practitioner said. So th- this is. Um, I'm just thinking: Have you read Gabor's book when the body says no? Yes. Ah, see, this is what this is the entirety of um, our our knowledge at the moment isn't it is actually when when we learn to compartmentalize and we push down and we depress actually what does happen is that comes out later on Mm. in terms of illnesses difficulties the traumas and you know we don't do it consciously you know it's it's not really that we we turn everything off it's um so in in transactional analysis we talk about these racket feelings so In most families, there's an emotion that isn't done. You know, we don't do sadness in this family or we don't do anger. And that feeling gets repressed. And what happens is it's replaced by a socially acceptable version. So for many, many families, anger isn't accepted, but they can go and do boxing or martial arts. And because that's a socially acceptable way of displaying the anger, but it really isn't authentic. So I'm just thinking Stan is going to be 100% authentic and how, yeah, what a fabulous lesson in life you have at the moment to learn in terms of kind of the connections and how, how he behaves to other people.
1: And, and how do you think, I mean, anger is really interesting. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently, you know, because um, you're right, sometimes it's not good to be angry, but um, there's a lot of ways that you can hurt someone without being angry. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, one person will be prod, prod, prodding away, the other person will get angry, and the one who got angry got blamed. And actually, they weren't the one doing the prodding for five minutes or five hours. So what is a healthy way to be angry?
0: Um, well, it's, it's, um, for me, what you've just done there is, uh, so if I'm working with um, an adult who might be having relationship difficulties, that's usually what they bring. Um, and in transactional analysis, we call that um, gains. So we do a game analysis and we go to the, okay, what were you really feeling? And, and quite often, the authentic feeling is I was, I was actually really angry with them but I didn't have the capacity or the resources to tell them exactly how I felt because I was mm. frightened of the response. So, For example, one of my friends had said, well, the only way I could get my girlfriend to talk to me was to be passive aggressive at her and have a little snipe. <laughs> and I said, but you, you understand this, parent, adult, child. I said, adult, which is the, the ego state where you're in the here and now and you explain explicitly your implicit feelings. So you might say actually I need to speak to you about something that's bothering me and what does happen is quite often we think oh no but then they'll be really angry so what I'll do is I'll change the way that I converse and I'll make a little snipe and now we're into a game and it's all about kind of this what we call the drama triangle and it's about getting a payoff and at the end of it you can justifiably say that's why I was angry
1: yeah so, it's better just to say straight up yeah I'm angry because of this Leave me alone for half an hour. it be all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in terms of where I'm at with my, um, my children, they're 21 and 23 and the 23 year old will, will be angry about something and he goes, you know, we might, it's not the light on this occasion, but he might say something and I go, right. Okay. We're not doing this. We're not doing this cause I'm not in the space to do this and I will walk away. And it's really interesting how, um, so it's it's not it's common knowledge, but I was in a um, uh, an abusive relationship for a long time, and it's really difficult for me to explain to people. Actually, I was part of that abusiveness because what I would do was racketeer the games. So I might say something to create the argument so that I could justifiably say, "Well, see, there I am. I'm victim state, uh, you know, victim place." And yeah, well, that's
1: a, that is a very hard thing to say to people, isn't it? To um, say to victims, "You're." you are in some way causing the problem is, yeah. I suppose, it's quite controversial.
0: Yes. So your, your EFT practitioner said to you, you are to blame for some of your... Yeah, well, in, in relationships, it's all co-created. Mm. So it's not it's not a 50-50 split, nor is it about saying, actually, um, a woman who's been domestically abused is at fault. There is something about, actually, the subtle games that we play in terms of how we create a lot of the situations. So in terms of your, your uh, question, which I've noticed, you're now, you're now asking me questions. So <laughs> Nicely done. Um, <laughs> so that There is something about actually, anger. anger is completely acceptable. It's a normal, one of, the, one of the six universal emotions. Yeah. And to be authentic and to say how you feel comes with a whole heap of vulnerability, a whole mm. heap of fear. Because you have to get in contact with what it is that's going on, um, so I tend to I tend to sit with my clients and do um, nonviolent communication with them, and and learn to be authentic in a way that's that's okay for them to kind of connect with how they feel. Right. So that that might be something that that could be helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, connecting with your emotions is you know I mean that's that's gets to the whole thing of it you know that's that was the key for me ultimately that's what helped me get better mm-hmm. yeah and now you know it's great because i because with the podcast and with everything i do i'm partly looking at people some some people have you know suffered from trauma or are really very ill but a lot of people listen just because they really like this stuff and they think hang on i could have a little bit more energy or a bit more focus at work if I took that supplement. Oh, I've been taking a new supplement that's been giving me loads of focus. Do you want to know about it? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's called resveratrol. Have you heard of it?
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: Um, I've been taking it because a lot of the people in the longevity world have been talking about how it's Mm -hmm. apparently very good for um, preventing cell death. Um, Actually, apparently in some studies it's reversed the symptoms of Alzheimer's but it is also supposed to help with focus. So I've been taking it, and honestly, I am in the zone, Kath, when I do. I haven't taken it before this podcast. I should have done, really, to keep up with you. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I shall take that as a compliment. But, um, <laughs> I, t- I take it with um, curcumin, so I have a curcumin reservatrol. Um, oh, do you? Yes. So um, I, d- I get that from my uh, Nordics account because it's a, it's a liposomal version. Oh, I'm now. Oh. not thinking I, I, the listeners are going to be going, don't know what they're talking about now. OK, so, no,
1: I know. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, listeners will be Googling this just like I'm going to be afterwards. Right. Send me a link and I'll have a look at it once we've finished.
0: Yep. Yeah. Because um, my DNA results actually say that I need to increase um, because I've got crap um, phase two detoxification.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I did. I did look and go, hang on a minute. There's, there's a uh, Reservatrol in red wine. Maybe I could do red wine and that would ah, give you an excuse of red wine. Um,
1: yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting actually, you know, as, as time's gone on, you, you know, and with my podcast, I'm so lucky to be able to speak to people like you and speak to whoever I want to speak to really, that you do start to develop little side niches and in, in uh, interests. And for me, I find it very enjoyable to say, oh, well, you know, I'll try that. And, might feel great, might not. You know, Everything should come with a disclaimer, check with your health practitioner before you try a new supplement and and so forth. But it's fun to do things like this. And then I discovered that, oh, actually something that's been really bothering me for the last 25 years was a histamine intolerance. I didn't even know about that before. Now I've got into that. Now I've, I've set up a little niche histamine intolerance site, which has been like a fun little hobby that I've been doing over the last few weeks. The downside is, Red wine may contain a lot of uh, resveratrol, but it is the highest histamine food or drink known to man. So I've, I've ruled that out.
0: Yeah, it, it is my, I mean, that was actually the argument that I had with my son the other week. He actually, <laughs> I don't know, I'm now going to give you an insight into my house. He said, you do all of this, and he kind of pointed to everything in the house. Yeah. And I was having a glass of wine. He went, and then you do that. And I tried. I tried to defend and justify. Well, you see, I don't do it all the time. Blah 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 blah. blah. Because actually, that that tapped into some sort of emotional defence that came out really quickly. Yeah. This is my. This is my. This is my thing that I do just to keep myself. And afterwards, I was like, actually, you're on. You're on the nose there. I I don't
1: know. I mean, I think that's quite interesting because he is on the nose. But you know, one of the things that, firstly, I bet you, I bet you lay in bed afterwards and thought. Next time he says that, I've got five <laughs> better replies. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but also, I, I do think, you know, I've met a lot of people in this world who, they can take it too far. You know, I mean, ultimately, you want to enjoy life. You've got to have a sense of balance. You know, I don't, I don't believe in balance in everything. But I think if red wine, well, I'm sure having a glass of red wine gives you a whole load of benefits, probably more benefits than uh, downsides. So go for it.
0: Mm don't don't give me permissions i've it do you know what I, mean? I have this this is an internal this is an internal battle actually in terms of um my uh, psyche getting stuck with should i shouldn't i is it good for me isn't it um because what do you think
1: I, of the um of the sorry to interrupt, what do you think of the uh the dry farm wines or the wines that are low histamine or low sulfur or biodynamic
0: um i tend i tend to try and get the biodynamic and i've noticed i went into where was it It might have been Majestic Wines or something some time ago and said, Have you got anything that's biodynamic? Yeah, uh, they just looked and went, What's that? and I went, (laughs) Yeah, I'll go back to ordering it online then. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this concept that you can get a wine that doesn't give you a hangover is a concept that everybody buys into. I mean, I guarantee you, listeners to your podcast have been thinking they've been droning on for half an hour, but now they're talking about wine without a hangover. I'm pricking up my ears.
0: for me actually it doesn't really matter because it's to do with my um so this explained why I've always suffered with hangovers because my um, phase two detoxification is rubbish yeah. so I, I detox in the liver really quickly but then it just kind of sits floating around in my body um, so that's that's why I do certain supplements particularly uh, the curcumin and uh, reservatrol and uh, dim and some of the other stuff that I'm doing but again mm. yeah I think the obsession is the thing that i have to be very careful of because like you i'm also type in terms of it becomes something that i'm then like right okay take notes on that what did you eat for that how much of that did you do yeah there are times i have to look at myself and go get a get a grip yeah
1: yeah because ultimately um i mean that's such a good point i mean you know i kept a spreadsheet for a couple of years
0: i know you did that was that was one of the things that was like oh my god that's what i need to do and then i was like no
1: (laughs) Do you know, spreadsheets, actually, it was brilliant, because if you feel better on certain days and not others, you can then look at the spreadsheet and you can say, hang on, on the days I feel better, I go to the gym, for example. It's like, a, it's a, in black and white, it gives you the evidence that going to the gym is a good idea for your energy levels. But until you've got it in black and white, you don't know.
0: Well, then you have to face up to, that's, that's again, a strategy that I use with clients is we, we will kind of get notes, take notes, and it's, okay, what do you notice about these patterns? And it's also like the number of people that go, oh, I'm so, I'm so, oh, I need to diet, Kath. And I go, well, have you done any any tests to find out what works for you? Any equals one. And I, I've got a friend that moans quite a lot about their weight, about their size, about their health, but doesn't do anything about it because actually that would mean cognitively reframing and facing the issue because then you have to do something about it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's... Um that's really interesting and and tell me because i can see that you wear an ura ring and i think i noticed that when we were together as well um i have found some pretty interesting results on the ura ring uh based on when i drink or have a late night or certain foods that i eat. have you as well
0: yeah particularly if i um so i i've been following sachin panda's um circadian uh, eat so that I sit and eat most of the time. If I'm late eating, body temperature's up, um, I move about a lot, but I've just had, and I'm going to uh, kind of, um, I've just had my uh, room harmonized because I'm doing a, a trial to have a bed. That's going to be based on my energy and where I am geographically.
1: And wow. You know? Okay. that that is pretty hippie. That's great. That's, yeah.
0: <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of data that I pick up in terms of what, what changes with that. Um, but before, before we go, Tony, because I know we've only got a couple of minutes, um, what, you ask a question on your podcast of your guests all the time about three books, about um, you know l- zestology, vitality, energy. What do you think you would recommend in terms of now being a father? So how, how would you see life now? And what would, you, what would you recommend in terms of books for vitality, zestology, as, as your podcast is called?
1: Yeah, so I do the book first. Yeah. Um, the the book, I, there's a book that I love, and uh, it's by Josh Waitzkin. It's called The Art of Learning. And Josh Waitzkin was a child chess prodigy, and at the age of six, he would go to Washington State Park, uh, at Washington Square in uh, New York, and play against all the kind of basically a lot of them are either homeless or down and out and they go to the park and they earn a few bucks at a time and play people at chess and josh waits would go with them he kind of made friends with them they adopted him as one of their own he he came to love them and then he became one of the top chess players in the u.s and then he gave it all up at the age of 18 and went and traveled for a bit and then he became a top world-class tai chi expert as well and the art of learning is firstly a great story but secondly it's a distillation of how he used the same techniques in his chess career and his Tai Chi career and what the commonalities were. So what the commonalities are in learning, it's such a good book. It's a great tale. But I mean, I can pick up that book almost at random and read a couple of pages and feel more inspired. And you talked about a book called The Shallows earlier on. Well, his whole thing is all about depth. He says, in whatever you do, don't spread yourself too thinly. Pick one thing for one moment and go deep into it. And you can't do that if you've got another window open with your WhatsApps. Just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is well, actually, that's that's my um that's my nemesis. So I, I do this, I have this project, that project, the other project. And I think from philosophy in terms of integral theory, um, Ken Wilbur is uh, somebody who writes about this. And he says as you as you transcend and include what you actually find is you get more depth, but the higher you go in terms of your consciousness, your learning, you, you actually find there's less people in that area with you because depth is where the knowledge sits. You know, yeah. and, and quite often I tend to go to a lot of training where where we bunny hop over things, you know, and yeah. so you get a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit this, a little bit of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of kind of, you know, a tip that I would have for energy and vitality, particularly bearing in mind, I'm a kind of a new parent, that depth is harder to achieve as a parent because you've got more demands on your time and you're stressed, you know, and, I, and there's a certain kind of, there's just just way more commitments. So all the things that you know already work, and I know because I have a spreadsheet, <laughs> are more important When you become a parent and you know for example i mean i know it's kind of it's not exactly one of the sexy hacks is it but meditation or just sitting quietly for 10 minutes or trance whatever you want to call it that is more important for depth if we know that depth does us good the exactly the wrong way to go about it is buzzing around all, all day, flitting from one thing or another. The way to achieve depth is to get your mind in, in the right place for it. So, so it's a simple one, really, but it's all the more important. I'm doing it less now than I was a year ago, but I'm trying to fit in time as much as possible.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So I've got a little tip for you then. The oh, yeah. Best, the best meditation um, in terms of when you have new babies, um, and I'm talking new babies in terms of all the way up to about the age of three. Yeah. Um, and watch them sleeping
1: oh oh that's nice
0: i I had to do it as part of my baby obs and it was probably the biggest uh whammy moment where i went oh my goodness i haven't done this for so i did my baby obs in about 20 so it was like over a decade that i hadn't sat watching my children yeah there's nothing to do apart from just absolutely sit with adoration at the little one because what you do connect with is, you know, that feeling of the first time you saw him and you just went, oh, my God, I didn't know I could love this yeah. much. Yeah. 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 That you, you tap into that if you sit watching your child sleeping.
1: And it's funny, actually, because, you, you know, you and I have both been talking about the Aura Ring, which I'm sure your listeners look familiar with. But it's one of these trackers that tracks all sorts of things, including your heart rate. And I've noticed, you know, there's the odd occasion where my son does wake up very early and I go and get him and I bring him in, in, he's still in his little sleeping bag and bring him into my room and just lay him on my chest and kind of, kind of doze while he sleeps deeply a little bit more. But the interesting thing is there is nothing that sends my heart rate so low and oh. so calm than those moments when he's on my chest, which shows you just what a primal, lovely thing it is.
0: Well, that's the reflection I, I gave you about um, uh, Faith When uh, and it was actually something I caught out of the corner of my eye is is Stan must have been kind of getting a little bit shuffly yeah. and she actually just gently placed her hands on top of his head and was oh. kind of rocking backwards and forwards. And at the time, and yeah. I know this from the HeartMath research, uh, what happened was whatever the coherence that was going on with Faith and Stan yeah. kind of resonated across. I stopped watching what I was supposed to be doing in terms of the timing
1: yeah, and
0: yeah. I kind of went, Ugh that's a melting moment and then i was like right i have to i have to pay attention i'm timekeeping here you know yeah
1: yeah that's that's so nice that's i do you, you said that to me at the time and that was a really lovely thing for you to say because yeah there's something really nice about seeing her mm. with him as well and um mm. yeah so i mean i mean all the cliches are true it is really tough but it is also very rewarding and um and i think the funny thing is even just talking about these experiences rather than doing them that also gets you into a different state as well i feel
0: mm-hmm. i feel
1: great just talking about it
0: yeah nicely chilled now yeah is, yeah uh, and, and it is it is something i i explain to um, parents of adolescents when they're having problems with the the uh, meltdowns and the uh, kicking off moments yeah and get a picture of them as a baby or as a toddler and put it on the fridge and whenever, oh. they're, whenever they're having their moment, go and look at the picture because, actually, that's exactly who they are. They're just 20 yeah. years further on. Yeah.
1: And yeah. tell them, you used to be so cute when you were two years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, not, maybe not in the middle of the meltdown.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, there's still, I don't know how many questions I have for, for you, but I think with the, with the number of people that I'll be asking in terms of... Um, biohacking etc etc but thank you so much because um i think what was really nice actually is we didn't go where i thought we would go in terms of the questions but that's the nice thing about podcasts yeah um and thank you for kind of your reflections i'm going to put your um contact details in the show notes um yeah now I sound like a podcaster because now I'm doing the ending. No,
1: that sounds good. It's the ending thing. Yeah, yeah. If you, I'll send you a link to the the new histamine site I've launched called intolerance dot net, but um, that might be of interest to people if um, if they're well, thinking red wine does give me quite a hangover, they might want to check that out. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah okay and listen um, just
1: ap- apologies for the i mean it's not exactly a glamorous studio setting it's an ironing board in the background i know that's probably not what you're going for in terms of kind of elegant studio setting but that's just the reality of of affairs
0: it, yeah it's but real, it's still real, yeah. it's real like yeah. said, <laughs> yeah. i've come back from the office because i had builders making such bloody noise in the background so yeah I'm, I'm stuck in the shed at the end of the garden and i'm gonna have to change this um backdrop because apparently it makes me look like i've got loads of hair
1: I know, I was thinking, your hair's ex- expanded since I last saw you. But there you
0: go. Everybody comments on it, and I'm like, I haven't changed it yet, so note to self, we <laughs> get that done. Right, thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. For thanks, Catherine. Um,
1: you, you too, yeah. thanks. It's been, it's been great.
0: This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.